Well, in our gospel today, our Lord, I think I, I you know, kind of dramatize his voice here, but I think it, it captures, he's very animated. Uh, he, he's, he's really, uh, by the time you get to chapter 23 in Matthew, he's really kind of going to just lay it out at, towards the Pharisees. Um, but I'm not going to focus on the gospel today. I'll uh, draw our attention to our first reading, St. Paul's epistle to the Thessalonians. And I'll draw our attention to one line here. It says, um, they themselves openly declare about us what sort of reception we had among you. So this is Paul, and he's evangelizing the Thessalonians. And he's, uh, and, you know, after he's evangelized them, he's moved away, and then he's writing a letter back to them, and he's recalling that whole, uh, experience of evangelization. He says, they testify as to what sort of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to await his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath, uh, from the coming wrath. Now, th- this really, it's, uh, it's something huge, 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 and we can never, uh, take it for granted. And I think it's very easy to take it for granted. It's sort of like, we're living every day in the presence of the evidence of Christ's power, and we don't realize it. And what I mean by that is how widespread idolatry was in the ancient world. Okay, And at the same time, if you go into civilizations that have been influenced by Christianity, how free of explicit idolatry there is. Now, sometimes you can... You can use the term idolatry in a kind of extended sense to talk about greed, and St. Paul does that. But for the most part, there isn't idolatry in Europe, in America. It's made a little bit of comeback with the New Age movement. Okay, It's made a little bit of a comeback. But for the most part, idolatry is gone in the in any country or area of the world that's been influenced by Christianity. That's really remarkable. It's really, really remarkable to think because pretty much for as long as human beings have been around, however long that is, thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, you know, that's a question in and of itself, there's been idolatry, okay? Idolatry is just part of the warp and woof of human civilization. So the fact that Paul comes to these Thessalonians and he preaches the gospel and they turn from idols, to the living and true God. That's an amazing, amazing thing. Nothing but the power of Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, ascended to the right hand of God, reigning from that king, from that throne of David, so to speak, ruling over his enemies. This is Jesus scattering the darkness of idolatry. And he did it so powerfully and so quickly. And he says, our gospel came to you with deep conviction of the Holy Spirit. So the Thessalonians, when they received Paul and his other evangelists and they heard the preaching of the gospel, it came with a with a sort of a subjective conviction deep in their heart. You know, when someone speaks the gospel and there's this sort of tangible feeling that, wow, this is true, okay? That's how they experienced it. So they had that subjective conviction that was given to them by the Holy Spirit. But also, you know, their Christianity comes with objective signs as well. 
So Paul, when he preached, he worked miracles. And uh, the main thing that he testified to was the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the primary miracle that God has given to us to let us know that what Jesus said is true. And uh, St. Paul, in another epistle of his to the Corinthians, he talks about how at one point there were over 400 brethren who saw Jesus alive from the dead. 400 witnesses. The implication being is many of, and then he says, many of whom are still alive. The implication is, go and ask them. Okay, so you've got this nice uh, cooperative relationship between objective proof that the gospel is true, and then also this kind of deep subjective conviction of its truth. And that's the power of Jesus Christ. So it's a wonderful, beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, when he says that you, you turn from idols to serve the living God, you see at that time how the pagans thought was they, they thought that there was basically like everything was alive. The created order was like a, like a tree would have a life to it, okay? Scholars of religion today refer to that as uh, animism, okay? So if you go to this day, you, you can find some isolated tribes, you know, here and there in Africa and, and Australia, and they're animists. They believe that trees and the moon and the sun and nature are alive, okay? And that there are spirits that dwell in these things, and this was the deception that the devil was able to pull on humanity from its from its earliest times. The devil is tricking us now in a certain sense in a little bit different way. Okay, he's secularized. He's trying to at least. He's trying to secularize everything. Uh, but for so long, he deceived humanity by making them believe that created things were God. That created things should be given the honor that belongs only to God. And uh, so it's just, it's, we can never cease to marvel and take for granted the incredible power of Jesus Christ in eradicating the darkness of idolatry. And sometimes what would happen is, you know, the idolaters, they would worship a particular deity that was associated with some natural phenomenon. They would create an image of the deity. And they would uh, do some kind of magical incantations or religious rites and they believed that the spirit of the divinity was wedded to that physical object. Okay, and then they, and when they bowed down to the idol, they believed that that physical statue was alive. Okay, and sometimes probably the power of the devil did work kind of small miracles, you know. Maybe the idol would cause something to move or something like that. You know, some kind of like a low-level sort of what we call preternatural phenomenon. You know, so the, so the demons could kind of give these little tiny proofs or evidences that that these gods were real, so to speak. Okay, but they weren't really God. They were creatures in rebellion to the true God, deceiving humanity by providing these little little tricks. That's why when I talk to people who get involved in the New Age, you know, it's very sad because they say, they always want to tell me, oh, but, you know, I got, I met this guru and he told me something about my mother that he had no way, he, there's no way he could have known that, you know, so the, the demons give these little proofs. I mean, they, the demons know something about your mother that someone else doesn't and then they tell this guy and he's able to share that information with you. It's not a big deal. Okay? You know what's a big deal? 
is God raising Jesus Christ from the dead. That's something the devil can't do. That's a big deal. And so the power of God manifested in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're, we're seeing it everywhere. Everywhere. And we take it for granted. Just the fact that there's an absence of idolatry. So we thank God for that. And we pray that Christianity would uh, always be strong and always be woven right into the fabric of America, right into the fabric of our cultures all throughout the world. Uh, and we understand that the, the true and living God, He lives with a life that is superna- truly supernatural. And that, that living God, He's given that life to us through baptism. How awesome is that? We, ha- we have the light of His grace. We have the light of the gospel. And it's in us every day. Let's, let's be so thankful uh, for this life and for this light and for this truth. Um, my brothers and sisters, let's ne- never take it for granted.